Welcome to the Nerve to Lead podcast. Here we explore power, pleasure, leadership, identity, belonging, parenting and couplehood and explore stories of navigating through life finding both authenticity and attachment through the common lens of the nervous system. I am your host Sangeeta Parthasarathy and I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of Nerve to Lead. I'm super honored to have Kate White with me today. Kate and I have known each other for quite a while. Uh Kate runs uh Pre and Perinatal um Institute. Kate has uh, extensive work in in utero and early attachment and birth. and uh, the impact of birth she is uh, someone i regard very highly she's been a mentor she's been my therapist she's been a friend uh, welcome kate and so honored to have you here yeah thank you it's exciting to talk with you sangeeta so thanks for inviting me uh so kate um let me start with this question how does our in utero and birth experiences shape us as adults mm-hmm. Well that's a really big question and I have short answers and I have long answers maybe I should have the just right answer I don't know it um but we know that our, our earliest experiences in life will lay down a foundation our template and there are actually ways we can look at that template through um layers or through a lens of trying to decide okay where in our sequence of development do we when we have issues that arise when do they develop and what the research has borne out to show us is that a lot of times the things that start in utero don't show up until we are adults until we are in our 20s or our teens we also know that how we are parented so there's an attachment sequence that develops and that's even preconception some of the things that we see in our lives are not even ours they they start in our previous sort of generations so we're looking at the way we develop in a sequence uh, in layers of experience and how they gather and often are stacked on top of each other and then they're compressed um so the way we are conceived like if we're a wanted baby um the things that happen prenatally if, if our parent is overly stressed or has a loss of their parent or other important loved one while we're in utero or some of the dynamics of um our placenta and other things and our how our embryo how we make our body i mean those show up as adults but also as children and then how we are born or the chemicals used the compression the length of birth um how we are in our body if we have intrauterine constraint can develop can show influence how we grow and sometimes you know people are not trained to see this and this not yet we're getting there and so as adults we can have like a a mental health that's that doesn't express until we're in our early 20s that's related to how we are born we can have a variety of depressive or anxiety um, or mood disorders that are connected to our our health that started in relationship with in our family dynamic or a cultural dynamic 
and we can have things that haunt us from preconception from our ancestors so it's it's really about pattern recognition we've learned to be able to see patterns and understand that they have pre and perinatal roots and we do now have practices and professional education that can help ameliorate um, or even extinguish some of the trauma patterns that come from our earliest lives. So that's a very broad stroke. I don't know if that gives you a good enough answer, Sangeetha. So you let me know. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think uh, it's fascinating. And, and of course, like as practitioners, <laughs> you, you know, you're at a party and somebody walks in, you look at their head and you're like, oh, cap it. And oh, I know what happened at your birth, you know. Right, right. right. <laughs> Once you start seeing those patterns and they show up, like you said, if, when you know what you, to look for, it's pretty, you know, you can um, uh, tell. So I want to ask you, what is attachment from a pre-verbal perspective? So this is not widely known. I think when we say attachment, we think it's emotions, we think it's communication, we think it's love in a very narrative adult sense. Mm -hmm. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about what attachment is from that in utero, pre-verbal, before 18 months perspective? Well, yes. Well, attachment, I mean, in the literature, I mean, you read it as attachment styles, right? You read it as how we're parented or how we parent based yes. on the work of John Bowlby and, and Mary Ainsworth and Mary Main. Um, yes. And we, we know that these styles are biological. They're, they're not necessarily yes. just an idea. They yes. are hardwired into our body. So there's attachment, which is how parents are in relationship with their children. Bonding, I think, is from the parent side. Attachment is from the, the child side. And when we talk about bonding prenatally, it's uh, really encouraging the parent to uh, see their developing baby as someone who's having experiences and wanting to connect because we're hardwired to connect. And we know that prenatal bonding has really good outcomes. It can decrease the difficulty of births and, and increase um, the level of of settling or nervous system regulation or the baby and for the baby and parent. It can also translate into other things like how our IQ is developed and some of our linguistics and other things that, that start with how our, we make our body and our neurons start firing in utero. Our neurons get laid down in, at a very high rate in utero. Um, we have as many neurons in our body as stars in the galaxy, according to Thomas Verney. <laughs> and so those neurons are collecting information. It's, it's somatic information. It's biological. And so the relationships that we develop with our babies, that can translate into lifelong health starting pre, uh, prenatally. And so we encourage parents to understand their dynamic, their attachment style. Um, and we can test for that now. We do yes. have these sensitive psychological instruments and help them, you know, really confront and become more aware of their own patterns. It's it's about, like I said, pattern recognition, trying not to give it a, any kind of a flavor of bad or, or good. Uh, we do know that there's more desirable patterns 
and we can encourage uh, people, humans uh, of every age towards recognition of the health and understanding when patterns are not in service to us and when they can be. Um, just bringing more consciousness and more choice to how we parent and how we live. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Just building off of what you said, um, a lot of times when we work with mothers, especially mothers postnatally, and it doesn't matter what age the kid is, uh, the child is, but uh, when we're working with them for nervous system regulation and somatic work, a lot of times it, it brings up a, sh a shame around um, stress during pregnancy and perhaps not bonding enough and I know that you know patriarchy sets women up for unrealistic standards and we're meant to be super women and all of that and therefore there is a lot of was I a good enough mother that goes on so uh, would you like to share something with uh, either pregnant women or mothers postnatally um, about that yeah well first of all I mean this is a passionate discussion that I can have and I, I do actually have it all the time. Yes. Um, mostly it's my husband who's walking with me with my dog who's listening to me um, <laughs> or not maybe. <laughs> but, but I feel like in our culture, I mean, I'm in the United States, you're in India. I mean, we just don't support families very well at this stage of life. And I don't know what we were thinking, like maybe we weren't, <laughs> um, but how to create a really good care for families after they have babies. And what you're describing is a stressed out person, um, a mother, usually it is, a woman who's got to now shift her life totally uh, once she becomes a parent of a baby. Um, becoming a parent of an older child is a little different, but once you are with a newborn, I mean, your life is very much uh, dedicated to nurturing that newborn and it's sleeping and feeding <laughs> and it's hard work. And yes. then that the, her support, where is her support network? If it's her other parent, the husband or the other or the partner, and they have to go back to work, and maybe she has to go back to work. Yeah. Um, maybe she has to work two jobs in order to make enough money. And what happens mm -hmm. to that baby then? And right. so the parent gets in, in the squeeze of this how do I make life happen for my family? And they sacrifice whatever it is, time, sleep, energy. Um, and they they burn the candle at both ends, so to speak. Um, yes. I mean, some of the studies I've read is like, if you even just give a new parent money, it translates into lifelong health for that family and that child. And so I think, honestly, that the problem is, is cultural and societal in our country, I know it is. It's like, how can we create maternity care and mm. matern maternal and paternal leave? Things like mm -hmm. that, which our country should be because our country has so much money, quote unquote. And I know that there are leadership people who are working on this on the Hill. I think both of our political parties um, that are so much um, at war of polemics these days, everybody agrees maternal health is important. So uh, for the pregnant person who on the everyday or the man, the mother who's out there listening, I would say take heart because if you feel like you did something wrong or it's on you, that's where I would intervene and just say that's a stress response. 
our trauma response. And let's talk about it because I know that that for having babies, you need support. And if you do not have enough support, that's where things start to break down. So it can be another another pair of arms to hold your baby while you make soup or, or take a shower or even have a nap. Um, or if you have birth trauma and you're not able to rest or sleep, um, then you know this needs to be taken care of and seen. Yeah, and if the baby absolutely. has birth trauma and is crying or sleeping and feeding is challenging, oh, yes. we need practitioners that know how to work with that. And that's what yeah, I'm doing. Absolutely. I'm training practitioners and I'm really interested in scaling up what I do so that there are more baby body workers out there who can see what's happening for a baby and for a parent. And often I can make a difference in a family with one visit. So, oh, yes. Yeah. So I, I think that we just are at the beginning. Unfortunately, it's interesting how it is now in 2023, the beginning of really integrating how, what kind of professionals do we need to help mitigate challenges during this time. I think it's yes. just connecting the dots, actually. Yes. Uh, the professionals so are out critical. there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is so critical. How just making sense of it from the baby's perspective, but also from the mother's perspective about yes. the birth. And if there was trauma involved, for example, exactly like you're saying. And then also, I think there are studies that say that uh, you only need about 30% of attuned secure attachment yeah. behaviors yeah. for the brain and body to rewire for secure attachment. Therefore, yes. and this is something I tell all my clients is that you've not messed it up. It's not that it's a done thing. And babies' uh, nervous systems are even more flexible and so, f- yes. what, what do you call it? Forgiving? What, yes. What's the word for it? Forgiving? No, yes. babies, babies are very loving and forgiving. Loving and they, forgiving. Yeah, and, and you can make repair with a baby. But your baby's sitting there thinking, I did something wrong, just like you are. I don't know if they have those words, but there is a felt sense of, I'm bad. Um, or this was intended, this painful thing. Therefore, I must be bad if, if I've had this experience. And so, I mean, I can be with parents and just say to both, no, you did nothing wrong. This just happened. And yeah. that's the way it is. It's a lot of very impersonal, painful things happen at births and prenatally and both parents and baby take it very personally so you can get in there as a professional and say no this these things just happened nothing you did wrong and suddenly there's a lot of relief in the space and and sometimes I have to really explain and, and repeat myself and the more I do the more relief and the more oh my god I'm not a bad parent no no, you're not. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, you mean that that just happened and not, not because I was bad or, or something I did wrong? No, no, it just happened. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And now, a small break to talk about more resources. We have created an autonomic safety assessment for parents, which helps baseline our co-regulation capacity, which is available for free to download and use. It is available as a link on the episode show notes. Now back to our conversation. 
could you share some client approved stories with us of how uh, repairing our earliest in utero or birth trauma even as adults can create somatically create massive shifts for us okay. uh, as adults like maybe working with that all right so i can talk about some themes like let me talk about themes first and then i can also talk about myself um, yes. because I've done all the work you know yes. in order to, to sit here in front of you yes I've been doing this 20 uh, 25 years now I want to talk about some major themes of of pre-perinatal work so, uh, we got here because of our work with adults it, it didn't start with recognizing the baby's experience it started with adults that um, had regressive memories and so for, for them, I mean, claustrophobia was one of the themes that awoke us to the baby's experience. Um, you came into my life when I was working at APA, the Association for Pre- and Perinatal Psychology and Health that was co-founded by David Chamberlain and Thomas Burney. And you know, David Chamberlain was a hypnotherapist and a psychologist and a minister. And it was through his clients that um, had extreme claustrophobia that when they were hypnotized, went back to the womb. This was often a third trimester imprint and where there isn't enough room and there's no way out, uh, not least not at that time. So uh, this is a, one of the examples I can give you from the adult perspective. Another another really painful pattern, which I see quite often, is a feeling of belonging. Like oh, know, yes. Yeah, we yes. know that there are nine, I call them the nine positive imprints that are related to our, our earliest beginnings. And that's, am I safe? Am I protected? Am I seen, felt, and heard? Therefore understood. Um, and am I lovable? And, and do I belong? And so there's a way that trying to track uh, what people are feeling, um, the two others that are in that list, are, am I wanted and am I welcome? And for those of us who are conceived and we're not wanted, um, that's an imprint. Yes. And many people who, like half of us are conceived uh, with consciousness the other half was like conception happens and it's a little bit mistimed, like, oh, I wanted a baby. I guess it's going to have to be now. And and then there is a percentage of us that are really conceived and not wanted. And that's, that is difficult to be making your life and your brain and your body and your nervous system in an environment like your parent, like your mother, where you're not wanted. And that- Or the that, wrong gender. Or, yes, or the wrong gender. Exactly, which is very common, I think, in India. And yeah. if you are a woman, you made yourself in a parent who's thinking, I hope I have a boy. Yeah. Um, that's very painful. And then yes. you begin to not to dislike yourself and wherever you go, you're in this imprint of yes. I'm not wanted. And so the people with that imprint, they walk in a room and they'll their radar is extremely sensitive. So if there's somebody across the room who maybe has a mood because their day is bad for them or they're stressed, we perceive it as, as somebody rejecting us. And there's also people who are given up or relinquished for adoption. And this is very confusing for the little one. And then as the adult, I mean, you can have a wide range of responses. 
And some of those people have big challenges with creating family and feeling home and uh, feeling at home or that they're accepted. I mean, I hope you can get a sense of those of you out there listening, like these places lie in us in a very implicit way. And they can be, and like, I have a talk that I give called the baby is in the shadow and our baby parts are still here. They're alive. They're listening. And babies are super sentient, super perceptive. And for those of us who have trauma in the early parts of our lives, that baby part can stay quite alive and quite intense and always be perceiving through that lens of this thing that happened to us. Um, So I'm just the implicit, meaning mm -hmm. that there is no narrative, linear story associated with it. But implicit memory means it is stored as bodily processes, patterns, and um, don't necessarily have a corresponding story, a narrative story behind it. And therefore, a big part of how we come into the world, etc., is pre-verbal. That is, if somebody asks you what happened in the first 18 months of your life, we don't know because the part called hippocampus that comes online, it develops. It's the part that files away each memory as narrative. The storage doesn't really come online. That doesn't mean we don't remember it. It's just that the body remembers it, not right. with words. Right. The body remembers it. And the body... The body shows it through posture, through gesture, um, through sensation. And like one of my favorite quotes from the somatic experiencing uh, teacher, Peter Levine, he talks about how the implicit memories will rise and they're hot. They rise quickly. They're like a collage of, of sensation. And it's layered quickly upon itself. And the way that we make sense of it is that, well, there must be something in the present that is informing that and we make a story up about it but the truth of it is it might just really be an implicit layer like i said maybe you did nothing wrong <laughs> you were just there so a lot of times when i'm working with adults i mean i have to help them identify their layers of experience and then really get the sense that they are there who they really are is underneath these layers and we work to integrate the layers. I use a somatic approach, which is working with sensation and helping them realize their health. Often we have adaptation sequences, like if we're not wanted and we have a natural fight or flight, maybe we'll fight or we'll flee or we'll have a, our natural normal responses to the challenges that we've had and helping parent, helping adults get it oh, this was what I did to survive. And we appreciate yeah. that. And then use consciousness, like, can I choose a different way? Like, well, How do I want to be? So this is what I work with adults. Like, well, how do you want things to be? What is it that you're curious about? And how can we employ our consciousness to choose different things for ourselves and have a different life if that's what we're wanting? Tell us about leadership, I think, in this field and in general, the role of power and attachment, um, and also leaders in the field of somatic work. You've really created your own body of work, um, which is amazing. Just tell us about uh, leadership and how we show up in the world. Well, 
first of all, let me take the last sentence that you said. How do we show up in the world? Like I can say that uh, one of the layers, like those nine positive imprints I talked about is feeling seen. How is it for you to feel seen? And that layer can start preconception. For example, in my, my history, my family um, really prized boys. So women were always sort of considered second choice, not best. And my father, my grandfather, my mother's father, he wanted boys, but he had four girls. So no boys. And that, believe me, that all those girls suffered that. And then I was born. Of course, I'm not a boy. And so, I mean, you can feel the layer, the heaviness of it. Like, how is it? Can we grow in culture and family? I mean, now already those are layers, right? In, uh, in our culture where if we're white and male, we excel, certainly if you have money. So yeah. it's... I mean, we're already, things are are stacked. You can start to feel the stack, right? And yeah. so in leadership, and, and my field of practice is so small still. I mean, there aren't a lot of, of strong leadership development programs. In my field of practice in the United States, there was really only two teachers. And so really developing leadership tracks, developing provider tracks and practitioner tracks. I mean, these are things that are still, we're still a young profession. Um, so there isn't, there's a lot of room for leadership development for sure. I don't know if that's a good answer for your question, but I feel like it's a combination of, like, I liked what you said before we got on the air, how can we develop a nervous system that's capable of power, um, yeah. of, of building power and feeling our worth it's about worth as well like can we yes. value ourselves and have endurance and then it's relational um, and women tend to befriend as opposed to fight and flee it depends yes. on need, right but yes. I mean you need to have a, a person who's got a nervous system whose natural tendencies are much more in alignment with what does it take in, yes. in our country to be a leader you have to have yeah. a certain capacity and resilience yeah. And absolutely absolutely yes yeah and that's the big part of my work is power and helping reckon with power and how we hold it in our bodies and power as an early attachment imprint but also ability to hold enoughness of power as a nervous system function therefore where we don't get into those perpetrator savior victim kind of rules and a lot of power ambivalence around okay I got here now I have power but historically power meant aggression therefore this is scary for me to hold you know well I know that in my the way I've been trained that power and peace go together yeah. but power yeah. in order to get to your the goodness of your power you often have to come into connection with annihilation because those Power, I find, is the quality human essence that underneath annihilative uh, layers. And that's a scary layer. There's a lot of terror. Yes. You have to have capacity to be and move through that terror. And yes. you, so therefore, you need a practitioner who has moved through the terror yes. to pull you through. And just believing and often well, the way I work with it in adults is I can hear it in what they're sharing yes so somebody will come and say I really want peace more peace in my life 
Mm -hmm. Often the reason why they want the peace is because of some terror or aggression that's been against them or that they've been in it for a long time and they're tired. So I'm listening to their sharing. And that's one of the other things I would say about working with adults is that they can voice. They do have language. They can tell you. Only sometimes you have to listen through the lens of the baby's experience because the stories they tell you, you're listening for uh, what are those layers and you can hear it in the words they choose and how they're telling you. And that's the job of the practitioner and that's what I need people to do. Yes. I think there is a way that we can find leadership, um, but we have to do it with a benign sovereign approach, but it doesn't mean I'm not powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. Uh, how can people find you? Um, tell us a bit more about what you have in the pipeline, like upcoming courses, offerings. Well, I, I have a website. It's called ppncenter.com. It's a center for pre and perinatal programs. And right now I'm in the midst of shifting things over to creating an institute where people can come and get a variety of education from the academic to the bodywork aspect. And uh, mostly it's a somatic skills. And I have an online school. You can find that free perinatal healing online through the current ppncenter.com. And that's the best way for your listeners to find me. Thank you so very much, Kate. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Well, to be continued, Sangeeta. So we'll see you. Yes. Okay. I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me today on Nerve to Lead podcast. The music you hear in this podcast was created by SoundCreed. You can find their link in the description. Thank you to Vaishnavi in Team Sangpar for producing and editing this podcast. Did this episode resonate with you? If it did, please share it with your friends, family, co-workers or clients. We would also love to hear from you. Drop us a note on www.sandpart.com.